I wonder if you're a list maker. (laughs) Some of you have just added that to your list. Uh, There's a list in our house for today. Um, This is the getting the house ready to go away to new wine list. Uh, Megan has one version of the things that she thinks is important to be done. I have another list. Of course, my list is right, and it has the important things on it, like put in the AeroPress coffee machine into the caravan, because I can't possibly camp without espresso. Lists are great. I make lists of all sorts of things. I make lists of the things I'm going to do. I make lists of the things that I have done. I even make lists of the things I have decided I am not going to do. Does anyone else have a list like that, or is that just me? Honestly, I I commend... Forget the rest of the talk. I commend that list to you. Having a list of the things that you're not going to do is one of the best lists to have. It's fantastic. I also have a list of, uh, I won't tell you about that list, that won't be helpful. Um, I've got many lists. The best thing, the best thing is when you get to the end of the day and you've ticked off. Yeah, yeah, some of you are, yes, some of you are more excited about this than others. (laughs) We'll, We'll have, you guys can gather in this corner and the rest of you can come and pray for us all. Afterwards, you know that that sense of getting to the bottom of the list of tick things off or cross things out or however your lists function, that feeling that you have made it, that you've done all the things that you thought you should do during that day. Except, of course, the moment you walk away from the list, there's another thing to add. Every time I read a book or listen to a talk, my little mental list of the things that I should be doing gets longer and longer. It's part of the reason why I have a list of things I'm not going to do. In the story today, and we are on kind of stories or situations that Jesus was in all the way through this summer. Apart from anything else, it helps us a lot when we get to the second service uh, at 11 o'clock for Engage, because all the way through the summer, they are all age. So having something that's kind of slightly more story or narrative focused is helpful. And in today's story, there are a lot of characters. There's Jesus, of course, the one telling the story. There's the expert in the law who comes and asks the question of Jesus. There are the disciples, the onlookers. There are then the characters within the story. The man who gets beaten up. The robbers. The priest. The Levi. That's just an assistant priest. They had them back in the day then as well. It's Nigel, basically. (laughs) Is that helpful? Not really. Let's move on. There's the Samaritan, and of course the innkeeper. Lots of characters. But there are not just lots of characters in the story. The story, I think, is also placed in a very particular way in Luke. It's always a good thing 
to ask when you're reading the Bible. What comes before and what comes afterwards? Where is this particular story in the context of the wider story? And the wider context is Jesus has just sent out the 72. And they've come back and they have reported to Jesus uh, the amazing things that they've done and just how effective his teaching and instruction of them has been. He gives them a little bit of correction and then also celebrates with them. The story that comes after is the story of Mary and Martha. Mary who sits at Jesus' feet and listens attentively to Jesus. And Martha who rushes around baking cake, whether it was lemon drizzle cake that day or I don't know what it might have been, but she's got something prepared that is just going to be brilliant for Jesus. But she's exhausted herself in the process. And tucked in between these two is this encounter with an expert in the law and Jesus responding as only he can do with a marvellous story that illustrates what he's trying to say. The problem with the story is that if we read it just by itself, we might come to one set of conclusions. And the conclusions might be, well, next time you see someone who's been beaten up on the road, uh, you're to stop and take care of them. Uh, and that's true. But there's a wider context. Let's take Jesus sending out the 72 the instructions that he gives them are good, but the fact that they precede this story makes the story more confusing. You see, they're to go into a house and say peace to this house, and if their peace stays, uh, if then they're to eat and drink and be, use that place as a place uh, where they can be hosted and to receive that hospitality. And when they enter a town, they're to heal the sick and to tell them that the kingdom of God has come near. But if they go into a town and they're not welcomed, then they're to wipe the dust off their feet. They're to leave. So my question is, what about all the sick people in that town? What about the people that have been beaten up in that town who have been left by the roadside? What about the people in that town who needed the kingdom of God to come near them? Jesus has just told them to walk away, to wipe the dust off their feet and to leave and to not care for them. And then he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. I don't know about you, but I'm like, suddenly the story of the Good Samaritan is not so clear. Uh, and then the story of the Good Samaritan is, is followed by Mary and Martha. Well, Mary and Martha's story is fine. And perhaps we want to take the model of Jesus and say, well, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to sit at Jesus' feet. Except that Jesus also models what Martha does. He strips off and washes his disciples' feet and serves them. 
And he says, go and do likewise. Go and do what I've done. One of the wonderful things about Jesus is he doesn't give us easy, straightforward answers because he's calling us into something more. So let's take the question from the expert. The expert in the law comes to Jesus. Teacher. There's respect for who Jesus is. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He's not really asking a question. You will know this if you've looked at this passage before, that there is an ongoing conversation about, of all the commandments, which commandments are the most important. So Jesus fires the question right back to him, since Jesus is very clear that this guy obviously already knows the answer. He's an expert after all. How do you read it? So the expert gives his summary of the commands of the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Well done, says Jesus. Right answer. And it is the right answer. And we've already prayed this through this morning as part of our service. You have answered correctly. Go and do this and you'll live. Completely straightforward. But here's the line. Verse 29. But he wanted to justify himself. So he said, who is my neighbor? And that's where the story kicks in. You see, somehow... Jesus needs to get under the skin of this man. This man who has an endless set of tick lists, who's got to the end of the day, he's fulfilled the law, he's done what is right, he is self-justified. He can sleep peacefully before his God because he knows he's done the right thing. Do this and you will live. I just want to be really clear, Jesus, exactly who is my neighbour, because I want to get to the end of the day and know that I've cared for my neighbour. It seems his not doing list is as long as his doing list. So Jesus tells the story, and I'm sure you know the story. There's a man going to Jerusalem from Jericho. He gets beaten up on the way and robbed. And a priest walks past. And when he sees him, he crosses over the road and goes on to the other side to avoid him. A Levi walks past, an assistant priest, that is, and does the same thing. And then a Samaritan. Why does Jesus have to tell the story about a Samaritan? to the expert in the law. The Samaritans, they were worshipping in the wrong place. They were the outsiders. They were the excluded ones. They thought they were doing okay, but but the people of God didn't think they were doing okay. They were worshipping in the wrong place, in the wrong way. You can read more about that in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well and Jesus has this conversation with a Samaritan woman about what worship means. 
But it was this Samaritan who had pity on him, who didn't cross over the road, but instead bandaged him and cared for him, put him on his own donkey, and then even paid for his upkeep until he was fully recovered at an inn. And so Jesus' question comes, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He can't even face saying the Samaritan. How could a Samaritan be the one that was right rather than me? It was the one who had mercy on him. Well, go and do likewise. Let's just talk um, just for a moment about another overly simplistic uh, interpretation of this story. Um, and it's that, that as good Christian people, having heard me preach this story today, that you should stop for every single homeless person you walk past in Bath and that you should care for them and that you should put them up in a local hostel or your own home and you should tend their word, tend their wounds and counsel them and everything will be fine. Please don't read that into this story. There's an awful lot more complexity in the world in which we live now with those who are struggling. So I'm not going to invite you to go and care for every single homeless person in Bath. There's actually quite a lot of agencies, Christian ones as well, who do that fantastically in Bath. Genesis being just one. What I would invite you to do though is this. To notice people. You know, we can literally cross over to the other side of the road and ignore people. And if you've got a gift of one thing to some of the most marginalized in our society, it's not to put yourself in danger, but it is to notice, to have your eyes open. And even if you're not going to buy a big issue that day, say thank you and acknowledge that that person is a human being. And if you're not going to put money in the little collection hat, at least acknowledge that that person is there. Treat them with love and dignity and respect from the same side of the road. So what do I want you to do in the broader sense, having heard this story? I think I want you to hear this, that that actually... Jesus doesn't want us to get to the end of a list at the end of a day thinking that that is a substitute for relationship with him. 
The moment we start thinking like that, the moment we're into self-justification, whether it's with a list or whether it's with serving or whether it's with the things that we're writing and the people that we care for, whatever it might be, we can have this little mentality in our head of, ah, great, I've done that for Jesus, now I'm okay. Actually, what he asks of us is much, much more. What he asks is that we are close to him. That we are responsive to him in the moment. And that we see people as he sees them. Really see people as he sees them. Because you know, if you and I took from this that we have to care for every single person who was in trouble that we passed, frankly, I wouldn't get very far down the road. I don't know about you. And after I'd saved everyone at the RUH, you know, the doctors probably wouldn't be that happy with me as I'd tried to do all of their jobs. That's overly simplistic. What I encourage you to do is act justly. Love mercy. But don't do it separately. Do it as you're walking humbly with Jesus. And as you do so, I trust that the Holy Spirit will speak to you along the way. That he will show you the points to stop. And they might be surprising places to stop. Sometimes it's not always with people that have been beaten up and are outwardly downtrodden. Sometimes it's with rather nice, well-to-do looking people who are actually quite troubled and need a friend. And if you take time to walk with Jesus and notice what he notices, then I think you'll be doing like that Samaritan man did. Let's pray. Father God, save, save us from being busy for you. From rushing around making your kingdom come. From doing the things that you told us to do yesterday. And instead, help us to keep in step with you. That we would see the neighbours that you are putting in front of us. And that we would reach out with your hand of love and care and compassion. In Jesus' name, Amen.